What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Exitazo Podcast, where we examine the complexities of Christianity. And today, we are examining Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and 12. And I have my good friend, Kyle, once again. Hey, how's it going? Happy to be back. So, um, yeah, let's just get ready to get up into it. So, yeah. what's your thoughts um, just from the get-go on this chapter? What are you looking forward to getting into? Uh, I actually have to say I like the beginning. Like, I love the first, I think it's either four or five verses, because it's like a bunch of these different metaphors, Mm -hmm. and when you just kind of like, so when you first read them, you're like, what are they talking, like, what is this talking about? And then after you uh, have milled about with it a little bit, then you can see it, and you're like, I see it now. This is so cool. No, yeah, that that is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So we'll get into it right now. The first section I named moving forward through the smoke of life wisely. Do you want, oh, well, you actually don't have, yeah. So I'll read my version, which is the New Living Translation, um, starting at verse one. And it says, send your grain across the seas and in time, profits will flow back to you, but divide your investments among many places for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rains come down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God, who does all things. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. Mm -hmm. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. So, just starting off, give give me your thoughts on that that passage. What do you got? Yeah, so I I like verse verse 1, because it's just this idea of taking your bread or your livelihood and Mm -hmm. just, like, putting it out there. Yeah. Right? Because... At first, you ask yourself, like, what is this? What is this bread? Or, like, what are these goods that you're sending out? You know? Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like that good of a thing to do at first. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, now it's not mine anymore. And then mm-hmm. it says in verse 2, this talking about this portion, where it's like, give it to seven people. One already starting at seven. That's a lot of, that's a lot of investments or a lot of people. Yeah. And then it says, or even to eight. <clears throat> yeah. And so you're asking yourself, well, why am I giving this stuff to so many people right now, mm-hmm. right? And when you think about it in light of what the rest of this book has been talking about, is like, one, you can store up treasure or riches for your own hurt. Like, that can happen. If you just build your storehouses bigger and bigger, Yeah, you're paying more to upkeep them, and that's mm-hmm. going to harm you in the long run anyway. Yeah. Um, but then it's also talking about it when you invest in different investments, you're hedging against that tragedy that's in life so you're like preparing for it exactly okay as it says in, i think once again another early one i think it's chapter uh, chapter four where it's talking about like two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor right okay so like when one falls the other one can pick them up and so to me i see this idea of sending your goods out or investing in things as a way to like have it to where you're there for people to pick them up when they fall mm-hmm. and they're there for you when you fall. Yeah, no, I like that. There's one little thing though that I'd like to comment on that you said. So you said seven and eight. 
Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is that that is actually only in the Christian Standard Bible, uh-huh. American Standard Version, and the English Standard Version. And obviously, you have the King James, so it's in the King James too. Um, if people were wondering, you know, where he got that from, it it it's in the first few verses that we read, but it's only inside those versions. Um, and I think that kind of also that seven and eight kind of connecting to that, you know, that Hebrew understanding of the word seven, completeness, you know, the whoality of something, mm-hmm. kind of going back to what you were talking about, fully preparing, you mm-hmm. know, and using that seven is kind of talking about preparing in almost every way. And then when you add the eight, this could just be my thought, but it's like, matter of fact, you can go even further. Correct. Pretty much mm-hmm. outside of that to prepare, you know. Um, what I thought was pretty interesting, though, too, was uh, a scholar, I, I think you pronounce his name, Lupold. This is from his commentary. Um, and he actually uh, said for the first verse, he said, casting, casting one's bread on the water probably refers to commercial transactions involving the transportation of commodities by ship, not to charitable acts. Hmm? So I thought that was pretty interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. 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 I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting the way he broke that down. Because it kind of makes sense, because when you read that first verse, send your grain across the seas, and in time, profits will flow back to you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I mean, to connect that more to like our uh, generation, that would be more of like, I guess, stocks, things like that, just okay. in overall investments in business. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, right here, uh, what the author is really getting at when you read the rest of the verses, though, I think he's particularly aiming at the point of, um, what do you call it? Paralysis of analysis. True. Yes. Pretty much. Yes. You know, that idea of you don't want to be paralyzed in trying to figure out every single way how you can do something. Sometimes you just have to go out and do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to be able to know everything. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to like not learn or gain wisdom and study what you want to do, but there has to be a certain point where you got to take a step and just gotta go you know go on the deep end just figure it out you mm-hmm. know what i mean because if you just sit there and try to you know plan and you're doing it for years and you talk about everything everything that you want to do but you never get started mm-hmm. i mean what's the point yep you're not really moving forward at all absolutely and i feel like that's actually what the author right here is really getting at and i feel like that whole point i think at uh towards the end where is it at Yep, right here, verse 5. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Mm. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's saying, be prepared, do what you can, control what you can, Mm -hmm. and then let faith also put play a part into it correct go and actually do it now mm-hmm. so that that's that's what i got i thought that was kind of i thought that was kind of cool yeah and, and verse one also brings in the idea of time right yeah it, it doesn't tell you <clears throat> put it out there wait yeah. five days yeah you know yeah and then it's going to come back to you it's like it says after many in mine it says after many days or after a period of time right <clears throat> so there's even no guarantee of it mm-hmm. you don't know if it's going to be this one that one or maybe both no, yeah, so there is an asset of faith and not even just like the, the the actual thing, but also just the time itself. Like you just don't know. Yeah, yeah. It kind of um, goes to that. It kind of reminds me, honestly, when Jesus said he would come back soon. Mm-hmm. That, that idea of like, you know, or that other verse, I think it's maybe in 
I want to say like first or second Peter, one of those letters where, um, I think it was, um, what was it? One of the apostles, they, they were, they wrote about how time is different for God. Mm. A thousand days. It's like, how does it go again? A thousand days or something like that. Here, maybe I'll, yeah, try, I'll try to find it actually. It's worth a Google. Yeah. Oh, what was it? Yep, so it's in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Mm-hmm. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as, me- as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Mm-hmm. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Wow. Now, there's a lot right it there. Gets, it gets powerful yeah, yeah, very yeah, quickly. There's a lot right there. And if you guys are wondering, whoa, what is going on right there? What What, what is Peter talking about? Well, what's happening is that he's actually talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he's describing, or he's actually, this is supposed to be a letter to Christians pretty much giving the motivation talking mm-hmm. about like how God is going to be coming back. You mm-hmm. know, not all of this is for nothing pretty much. Um, but yeah, so I just thought that was pretty interesting. And that kind of goes back to that, that time thing. You never know when something's going to show up. You never know when something's going to, you know, have a lasting impact, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't know the outcome and you don't know the timing of it either. Right. Like it's technically out of, I would say finally out of our control. There are things that we can do. So, what I was trying to look up is when um, one of Paul's letters, he's saying, um, can't remember, somebody planted, somebody watered, but God gave the increase, so, mm-hmm. right? So when you're thinking about uh, sowing these seeds in the morning and then keeping busy, right? Mm-hmm. It, takes, it takes effort to sow that seed. Yeah. It takes effort to water that seed. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's God who's actually making that grow up. Yes. Because we... And all of our sciencey knowledge and stuff like that, like you do not know exactly how those things are growing. Yeah. If you get what I'm saying. And if that example is not, you know, good anymore, then think about like, you know, child in the womb. Like we still don't know exactly how that works. Down to the T. We trust in it. Yeah. It's yeah. consistent, but we don't know. What do you what do you mean by we don't know? I feel I feel like the science right there is pretty clear on that we do know. Like, like how what it happens. Like how it physically forms inside somebody? Like I know I know the certain portions of it, but I mean like how the bones come together or oh. or how the cells which, you know, it starts from one completed cell. Yeah. It grows out. Mm-hmm. And then those cells which are the same cell technically, they figure out how to differentiate themselves into the various different muscle groups, very true, yeah. organs, all of that stuff. I don't think we have that figured out yet. I haven't read about it. But like, that's kind of what this verse is saying about how a child, we don't know um, how it's growing in the womb. Like, that's how it's talking about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would, yeah, that probably does extend to, I guess, to us, to where it's like, it kind of reminds me of um, the things that we know Mm -hmm. and then the things that we still don't know. Correct. Like, I'd say like black holes. I, I guess, yeah, black holes would be a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Like we discovered them, mm-hmm. but it's like, dang, we don't know. Like like we understand it from the surface, mm-hmm. but we don't know what's inside of a black hole. We don't know like if it's even survivable to even get in there to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Do we even know where they come from? 
I do not know. I have no idea. I mean, that would be something interesting to look into. But I, I just, I mean, all we do know is that it has an immensely powerful gravitational force. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it just destroys everything in its path. Mm-hmm. And the point of it is, it, regardless of our understanding, it behaves in a certain way. Yeah. Not as far as the black holes, because black holes, you start entering some like weird spaces where like, does it act this way or not? But like the things of this earth, like we know that rain comes from clouds, Mm -hmm. right? But it's saying here that a farmer who looks at every cloud and says, oh, it's going to rain. I can't work today. Right? Yeah. That's not fair. Yeah. So there's things that they, regardless of whether or not we think something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. And to touch on that too. This passage of scripture is also saying how you can take the steps to even study the clouds Mm. to see which ones actually do yield rain Mm -hmm. and which ones don't. But even with that, the rain can come and it can water the crops, but it doesn't mean the crops will actually grow. There you go. Yeah, exactly. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I I, I just, I think that still connects back to what you were talking about. After you pass one level, now you're on the next level of it. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me this idea of how when you are gaining knowledge, you reach a degree to the point where you realize you actually don't know anything. Yeah, exactly. So like, so like, it can be where you're studying a subject, right? And you're learning so much about it. Like, uh, let's just say uh, biblical studies, for example. You know, you study all 66 books. You're looking into all the authors. You study in the Old Testament, New Testament. You even learn in the language, hmm. right? The Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, you're doing it all. And then there's a certain degree to where you're just like, man, I didn't know that, that that was happening in that culture. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was the perspective that Paul was trying to say. Mm. I didn't know that like this person had this type of authority inside the scriptures, mm-hmm. you know? And it kind of changes your perspective a little bit because it's now it's like, this is way deeper than I was thinking. This mm-hmm. is, you know, this is starting to extend farther than what I thought. And it's like, that doesn't discredit all the knowledge you've gained. No. But matter of fact, that knowledge, all that knowledge that you have gained actually informs you about all the knowledge that is still to come. Exactly. Yes. And I think that can extend into business, art, music, a whole bunch of different aspects oh, of yeah. life. It's, yeah, it's that idea of like, as your like sphere of knowledge grows, like the border of your ignorance increases as well. So like you're That's seeing really more good. and more. Yeah. That is such a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. I really like the way you put that. That is amazing. That's good. All right. Um, so we can actually, well, I do want to actually um, give some quotes, by the way. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Dil- Dilchitz? I don't know how to pronounce it. It's D-E-L-I-T-Z-S-C-H. Yeah, it's hard yeah. Um, but it says, do not wait until conditions are perfect before you go to work, but labor diligently, even though conditions may appear forbo- foreboding. And then Murphy's uh, commentary from page 110 actually says, to put in a nutshell, the theme of this passage is this. We should use wisdom boldly and carefully, cannily, yet humbly, taking joy from life while remembering that our days of joy are limited by the certainty of death. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's really good, actually. I, I I like that. All right, so the next section we have is Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 7 through 10. And I titled that portion, A Way Through the Tur- Turmoil. A Way Through the Turmoil. Do you want to read that yeah, passage? Yeah, I got you. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7. 
Light is sweet. How pleasant to see a new day dawning. When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life. But let them also remember, there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is meaningless. Young people, it's, a, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. But remember that youth, with a whole life before you, is meaningless. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Sheesh. Just, yeah. So, what do you have to say about that passage? To me, it's like the idea of, of like a contrast. It's talking about the idea of you're young when you're reading this is kind of like the assumption here. And, you know, when you're a young guy, maybe the tragedies of life that are described in Ecclesiastes like have not happened to you. And so everything seems like like it has color, right? But at some point, tragedy is going to happen to you. And then when you come back from that tragedy, it gives you a perspective. And so you still see those colors, which were there the whole time, but now you see them in greater detail because mm-hmm. you're contrasting them with these things that have happened. So think of like a picture that has all these colors. But now through like these tragedies or this wisdom that you've gained through the tragedies, now there are shades to those colors. There are shadows, which kind of give the picture more form. It's the same picture, but now there's just like, you can see more of that picture. That's really good. Mm -hmm. Dang. That's good. So would you say that Maybe the more pain or suffering someone can go through in life, the greater blessings that they can also see. I I operated on on that assumption like for a long time. And I I think it I think there is some truth to it, but mm-hmm. you have to be careful when yeah. when you accept that mindset. Okay. Because yeah. I think I lived a lot of my early Christianhood with attempting to heap upon myself misery. <laughs> <laughs> in an attempt to be like, oh, if I'm more miserable, things are going to seem greater at some point, or I'm going to gain more wisdom through suffering. And so it's this idea of like, when you're young and you know that there's impending tragedy, you're mm-hmm. putting suffering on yourself in an effort to like gain that knowledge early, mm. to do it in your own time versus God's time. And you know what I feel like this also speaks to too, is this constant concept of, uh, I think you call it, you know how you have the prosperity gospel? Mm-hmm. But there's also another false gospel, and that's the depravity gospel. There you go. Yeah. You know, the gospel of to where, like, you need to be suffering. Mm-hmm. You need to give away all your money. Mm-hmm. You need to, like, basically have nothing yeah. and pretty much live on the streets. Like, that is not at all what the gospel is about, actually. Mm-hmm. It's not, that's, that's, that's actually, I would say, uh, an extremist view of just a few passages. True. Just like how the prosperity gospel is an extremist view on a couple passages. Absolutely. And I feel like so many people think that. Mm-hmm. When in the reality of it is, is that Paul kind of does it super well with, you know, that, that one passage out of Philippians. Yes. You know, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, a lot of people have used it out of context. But the reality is, is that he's talking about 
being content in all things. Mm-hmm. Whatever with God gives you. Yes, mm-hmm. with little or much. Mm-hmm. If you are a Christian and you're making a whole lot of money, steward that money well. Yep. Do what God has put on your heart and feed the poor, you know, give it to churches, give it to these organizations. You should be stewarding that money. Now mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should be indulging in it and like all this other stuff, but if God's blessed you with some things, it's not wrong to enjoy them either. But go. at the end of the day, you do need to be stewarding it well. Mm-hmm. And that requires responsibility because with much responsibility is given or where much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that doesn't mean to just blow it all, like just give it all away. You know what I mean? And I feel like so many Christians believe that. Mm-hmm. Just like in general, and it, it's it's honestly very very disheartening because, in my personal opinion, I feel like what the Bible really teaches on that topic is how, whatever God gives you, if it's much or little, you need to be content in that. Yes, that's what it's really at. That's you the need key. to be content, and even to a certain degree, I feel like that's kind of a little bit of what Ecclesiastes right here is kind of talking about. You guys are young right now. Enjoy it. God has blessed you with it. Pretty much. But when you get to the suffering, when you get to that old age, when you get to those things to where it's it wasn't as easy as it was before, mm-hmm. enjoy some of the little blessings in that too. Enjoy that. Like uh, a lunch with a friend. Yeah. Spending time with family. Seeing a movie. Talking to your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, talking to a mentor. Enjoy those little moments. And this kind of speaks of that carpe diem type of mindset. Yes, it does. Which I think is just super, it, you know, it's it's a little wisdom that you can take from the suffering, but also from the good things too in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like my point is, it's like if you go and you seek out suffering, like you'll find it. Oh, yeah. Because guess what? It's really easy to find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because even if you don't seek it, it's going to come. It's going to happen. What I what I what I found in my own life is like, don't make yourself miserable. Life is going to do that for you. Yeah, you know, as Christians, we're not called to be miserable, right? There are struggles, there are trials. Yeah, but you always see Paul exhorting people through their sufferings and through their trials, and what kind of example of faith it shows through those trials, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that that improves their faith. I think that's in um, Philippians, trying it, trying it like in the fire or something and, and purifying it. Because if you're sitting there and you're allowing these tragedies of your life to make you look absolutely miserable, that's not a good testimony to, that goes to Christianity. Straight, yeah, that goes straight back to the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, you yeah. make yourself look, you know, disgusting and all this other And you make yourself look disgusting and all this other stuff. To, to get more attention. Correct, while you're fasting, right? Yeah. yeah to make yourself yeah. look miserable. Like, oh, I'm, I'm fasting so hard right now. And that can easily, yeah, just like what you said, that can easily be, be equated to the suffering aspect. Mm. You're outwardly putting yourself in these situations yeah. to gain attention. Yes. When in reality, that's all the attention you're going to get. Mm. They because have it, the reward already. Yes. Great. Yes. Hit. And it's like, dude, the only thing you are called to do is to follow Jesus. Put your faith in him, spread the gospel, mm-hmm. and accept the gift of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that, is, that is it. That is it. And from that point, everything else will flow. From your love with Christ, you will begin to read the Bible more. You will begin to stop sinning. You will begin to, you know, just do a whole bunch of things. Discipline will naturally come. Yep. But it starts with that. 
It starts with that. And that is such a huge deal because I feel like if you lay that foundation on anything else, it's, man, it's going to crumble, dude. It's it's going to crumble. It's going to crumble. It's going to, it's not going to last. Yeah. It's not a good foundation. Right there. Yeah. Like you're going right into seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Right. Yes. And it is that idea of through the study of scripture, like if you take the ideas that are in Proverbs and if you have the discipline to be consistently studying, like you get real life skills from that spiritual pursuit. Oh, yeah. And like that's why you can have some success when you're mm-hmm. when you're actually applying mm-hmm. the disciplines that are in the Bible. Yeah. It's. Yeah, that's really good stuff. So that right there is the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. So um, for our viewers, uh, let us know what you guys think of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Comment, subscribe, like, and definitely let us know your thoughts. And we'll see you guys again on Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Peace. See you.